Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, you know, fall is on the way as the daytime gets shorter and starts to get a little bit cooler. Make sure your fall wardrobe is all good to go with the good folks over at Leon Taylor. Nice heavier jacket or maybe skirt or blouse. Or hey, maybe you should think about that coat because, you know, snow will be here sooner than you think. So you can definitely stay warm this fall without burning a hole in your pocket. Just head on over to Leon Tailoring and be sure to tell them Abdul sent you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Um, so, for over 35 years, the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute has been a reliable, nonpartisan voice advocating for sound policy in Indiana based on research and data, not ideology. While fiscal policy is in our name and we are known for our library of work on Indiana tax policy, the Institute is also equally interested in the spending priorities of Indiana, foremost among them education. In the late 1990s, the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute completed a series of relevant and provocative studies around brain drain in Indiana. We knew then that the future success of Indiana was based on our people. Since then, state policymakers have emphasized the importance of education for Hoosiers. In fact, in 2012, Indiana set a big goal that 60% of Hoosier, Hoosier adults obtain a degree or credential by the year 2025 to meet the needs of the economy and to increase the income and opportunities afforded to Hoosiers. According to our event sponsor, Lumina Foundation, for whom we thank, um, Indiana is currently 90% um, the way of achieving this goal, which means that 54% of Hoosiers have these needed degrees or credentials, so there's still work to do. As demographic shifts result in a smaller labor force and the innovation economy requires additional post-secondary education and training for Hoosiers, Indiana's system of higher education becomes even more important. We are pleased, therefore, that this year we are highlighting the opportunities and challenges that lay ahead for our public institutions of higher education and what it is needed for them to meet this moment. In June of this year, Indiana University and Purdue University signed an agreement that will transform their 53-year-old collaborative IUPUI vision with the creation of separate and independent urban campuses, Indianapolis, Indiana University, uh, and Purdue University in Indianapolis. I am pleased to welcome Daniel Hassler, Chief Operating Officer of Purdue in Indianapolis, and Michael Huber, Vice President of in University Relations at Indiana University, to discuss their respective visions for each of their campuses. And we're going to start with Dan. Well, if you want people to start eating, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Go. I'm looking at all this food. If you don't eat it, I'm going to. Yeah, dig into those salads. Please, please, please. If you want to start with the cheesecake, I'm not judging you. Won't offend me in the least. As a matter of fact, I have a confession to make as I start. I, I'm not supposed to be here. I had successfully retired for the fourth time. I was in my vegetable garden on my farm when I got a call from you know who? Mitch, right? And he says, Dan, you're not going to believe this. Let me tell you what's happening in Indianapolis by UPUI. And I think, okay, and there's an ask coming, right? And as he talked to me about it, it became clear that this was so transformational, so important for not just both universities, but for the students in Indiana and corporate America and all of Indiana that, you know what, uh, the weeds were too heavy in my garden anyway, I was pulling all the time, and I signed up right away, and I'm delighted that I did, and pleasure to be with you again today. And by the way, I get to have lots of play dates with my old friend, Michael Huber. He and I go way back, 
He was uh, in the mayor's office. I was uh, Secretary of Commerce, and we spent quite a bit of time on play dates then, and they only escalated this point forward. Um, all right. Seemed like a good idea. Well, first of all, um, I think most already know here that IUPUI started as a, this shouldn't play, I don't think, started as a, uh, 53 years ago, at the imagination of Mayor Luger at the time. And his imagination and want was that Indianapolis deserved to have a major university in the middle of, in the, middle of the city. And 53 years later, and after lots and lots of work by lots of people and an amazing effect on Indianapolis, and tens of thousands of alumni doing amazing things in Indianapolis, both presidents of both universities felt like now was the time to basically unhitch these forces from one wagon. They'd been walking the same pace, the same path for 53 years, unhitch them, let them run their own race, their own path, their own pace, and take advantage of their own strengths. We believe this is transformational and excited to be a part of it. Truth be told, IUPUI is basically IU with a spritzer of Purdue, right? As it was imagined, as it was started, it started basically with an IU administration, IU policies, IU property, IU ownership, and Purdue had a portion of that. And so for us, decoupling is a really great opportunity for us to expand, to play a bigger role as people have asked us to do in Indianapolis. So um, you guys know something about Purdue, obviously, but let me share a couple highlights, things that you may or may not know. We've entered our 12th year of frozen tuition, saving close to a billion dollars in tuition for families over the last 10 years. My buddy Rule here, who you'll hear from later, is a major architect of not only getting that done, but maintaining fiscal responsibility for the university. You'll know Purdue by Discovery Park a billion dollars worth of private investment that's gone into the campus, the area next to the university from companies that want to have a relationship with Purdue either for talent supply or for research collaboration. You'll know Purdue from the 80,000 students who apply every year, or at least last year, for 9,200 9, uh, uh, openings of freshmen. Lots of engineers, all flavors of engineers, lots of computer science. In fact, one of the biggest suppliers of engineers to the country. And these are highly sought after folks, right? 21-year-olds with bachelors hitting the market with average salaries of $95,000 in computer science, $100,000 in information sciences, $113,000 in robotics. Okay, everybody's got rankings. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I, I can find good range, rankings, but there are two here that I want to share with you because I think they're salient and important for our discussion today. First on patents. Uh, Purdue has always been a prolific producer of utility patents. Fourth in the country. Two of, two of the uh, groups ahead of us actually are the California system, the Texas system. Why are patents important? Patents are corporate patent. By publishing patents, corporations around the world see what Purdue is good at, see where Purdue's talents are, and they come knocking at the door. That's usually the beginning of a relationship with a company. 
they're worried that they have something that might disrupt them, or they hope that they might have something that might support them. And secondly, I'd, I'd take your attention to innovation, 16th most innovative company in the world, not university. Innovation and university is not aren't two words that you typically see together, but it just demonstrates the fact that Purdue is not afraid to take some risks and try new things. And yet we know, we just discussed, you all have studied the fact that we have a big problem in Indiana. We're losing far too many of our young people. We have companies coming to Purdue, swarming Purdue, from each coast and everywhere in between, trying to take these students away for very high paying jobs. So that takes us to the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we so excited? There are five basic reasons that you'll find Purdue and Purdue University in Indianapolis excited about what's lying in front of us. The first reason is attraction. I mentioned those 80,000 students that are applying every year to West Lafayette. It should be 100,000. Believe it or not, not every student in the United States or world finds it attractive to spend four years in West Lafayette. We believe that by having a footprint, a real footprint, an active, vibrant footprint in Indianapolis, we'll be able to present ourselves as a hybrid. You can have one or the other, or you can have both. Number two, experiential learning. Both students and corporations today both say it's invaluable to have some kind of experience prior to graduation. It helps them make the, the instruction more practical, and it helps companies see what's coming and look at, look at talent before it's in. The third is retention. Students in West Lafayette may want to do internships. They may want to do co-ops. It's hard to do from West Lafayette. By having a footprint, by having this campus in Indianapolis, some of these students will spend four years there. Some of these students may spend a year there and three years in West Lafayette. But if they're on this Indianapolis campus, they will have a requirement to have some kind of relationship with an entity or organization in central Indiana. Profits, not non-for-profits, it doesn't matter. Co-ops, internships, it doesn't matter. Why do we want to do this? One, it's good for the students, it's good for the company, but we believe when graduation time comes, these young people will have had an experience in central Indiana. They will come to know you. They will have come to know others. They'll see the city, the center part of our state as vibrant, want to participate in it, and be more sticky when all these companies come to the campus and try to entice them to the coast. Fourth, research. I mentioned that IP and patents are our corporate patent. Companies will come to West Lafayette, they will come to Indianapolis, not necessarily because they're looking for geography, because they're looking for relationship. One of the reasons we've been as successful as we have at Discovery Park is they, these companies didn't put a billion dollars worth of bricks and mortar in the ground because they wanted to gaze over the wall back. They put the bricks and mortar in the ground because they wanted to have a relationship with Purdue, and that meant being a neighbor. It meant being close to us. So we believe that by having this campus, part and parcel with West Lafayette campus, we'll be able to help all the entities in Indianapolis and Central Indiana be more attractive and draw more of these companies in for the relationship, either with the students or the research. And finally, that all leads to economic development. We are a land grant, and part of our mission is to, to do all that we can for economic development in the state of Indiana. Now, there's one part here, one point I want to make sure is wildly clear to everybody. Purdue University in Indianapolis is not a regional campus. 
there will not be a chancellor. This will be part and parcel with our mothership campus in West Lafayette. What does that mean? Well, it means there won't be a chancellor. It means there will be a common curriculum. It means faculty will report to the deans of West Lafayette and be a part of the policies and processes there. It means there will be full transparency in terms of curriculum, admissions, admission standards between the two campuses. We want students and faculty to be wildly slick between these two places, moving back and forth for semesters, for weeks, for weekends, or for years. It'll allow maximum collaboration, transferability, uh, and, uh, and collaboration going forward. At the same time, we're very thoughtful about being very efficient with resources. I'll share with you a minute where our footprint is near uh, with IU, but we're going to be taking advantages of all the systems and processes and people in West Lafayette and not duplicate those processes and, and, uh, and uh, expenses in, in Annapolis. You know where we are, right? We're going to see a lot of fluidity between West Lafayette and Indianapolis. It's 60 miles, but sometimes 60 miles can be a long, long way. I remember David Ricks telling me one time, he said, you know, I know you're close, Dan, but I can get to New York in the jet in the same amount of time as I get to West Lafayette by car. You just need to know that. So by bringing Purdue West Lafayette and his power in Indianapolis, now he has to come by Indianapolis on the way to his hangar. All right? Um, so imagine, and we will be building transportation to make this fluid. You'll see regularly scheduled transportation for students, faculty, and anyone else that wants to participate in this party. Degrees. One of the advantages of this campus and students going to this campus is the ability to immediately select the flavor of engineering you want to get into. If a young student is coming to, to West Lafayette and wants to do engineering, the first year is core engineering, and then they're guided into a flavor of engineering, if you will. If they come to Indianapolis, they'll be able to immediately know and select what type of engineering they want to go into. These are the degrees that are going to be offered, have been offered, and will continue to offer, but it will grow. You can expect to see the Daniels School of Business and Executive Curriculum coming into town. We're going to stand that up at High Alpha on Mass Avenue. You can expect to see um, other types of curriculum coming in to supplement this as the need presents itself from the community. Number of students. Whether this happens next year, whether it happens the year after, we are going to be growing the population of Purdue in Indianapolis. Hopefully, 10 years from now, 12 years from now, as we build up the facilities, we'll have the ability and capacity to draw eight to 10,000 students as mostly residential students on this campus going forward. A little visual, now I'm gonna show you the where, all right? Um, now, don't pay attention to the actual structures. This is a cartoon to basically demonstrate the area that we have leased from IU that will be the center point of Purdue in Annapolis. It basically is bound by the north side of Michigan, the west side of West, and the south side of Indiana. We also know, as we start the master planning on this site, that one of the things we want to be wildly mindful of is the history of this place. That's why we've participated and partnered with the Reimagine Indiana Certified Plan to imagine what this broader neighborhood needs and how it might benefit best from our presence in it. This campus will be porous. It won't be a bubble. We want people walking both ways, being both ways. We want the neighborhoods and the neighbors to see the campus and what's on it as their asset as much as ours. A little broader. 
One of the best practices we've seen from other campuses in urban settings is they didn't necessarily rely on one place. They marbled into their communities. They put students where the people were that were already doing the work. That's why we've taken space at High Alpha and begun putting our Purdue Innovates new venture enterprises there. The Daniels School of Executive Education will start its classes near High Alpha on Mass Avenue. It's easy in, easy out. A lot of executives like it there. Uh, we'll be looking at motorsports engineering. Wouldn't that be nice somewhere around the speedway? And I should also point out that if 16 Tech weren't already there, we'd be begging for it now. 16 Tech is closer to this campus than our original research campus was in West Lafayette. When we bring companies in for the relationship, this is the kind of place they're going to want to place their bricks and mortar in their house. So we're wildly excited that folks, and also IU, had the vision to get this started 12 years ago, actually when I was Secretary of Commerce. I think you're going to see some really neat things happen in the future. This is the part where I tell you what I think I tried to just tell you. I won't go through it all, but basically it's about attraction, it's about experiential learning, it's about stickiness of these students to Indiana, and the strategic partnerships that that will help us create, and the economic development opportunities that it will bring into the city, into central Indiana, and into broader Indiana in general. So with that, I thank you for your attention, and now you can have the rest of your life. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, again, Michael Huber, thanks for the opportunity to be here with Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm going to go really short and make sure that I'm not repeating um, anything that Dan just said. It has been an honor to work with Dan and the Purdue team on uh, this partnership the last, I've been, been here nearly a year. And one comment too, it's been, it's been great to work with the folks on the IU team and people like Dan Hassler, Mike Klein, Chris Rule, and others, almost all of us have worked together on other things, whether it was for Governor Mitch Daniels in the past. And so there's been a, a familiarity that I, I think has helped us get stuff done in the last year. I don't think Dan would mind me saying, too, a, a day never goes by when we, we, we would never forget that the only reason that we're able to do this is the members of the Indiana General Assembly who supported this partnership and Governor Holcomb. So members of the General Assembly who are here, thank you. So specifically, this is even before I joined IU, and I was one of the people, like a lot of you in this room, that got a similar call from Mitch Daniels or President Pam Witten had the wow response. The General Assembly's uh, support for this initiative was literally the General Assembly provided a financial incentive for both schools to get this done in this legislative session. And I don't want to speak for members of the General Assembly, but I know one of the driving thoughts was STEM jobs. How can IU and Purdue retain more talent and attract more talent to Indianapolis that's going to stay in state? And that's a big part of why we're here. 
So a few things, if I could add a little more context to um, what Dan told you about Purdue's vision. So IU as well has a big vision. And those of you who are IU grads, you know, there's a lot of pride around having the largest medical school in the country in terms of the number of students, and we do. Um, the growth in the Luddy School of Informatics, Computing, and Engineering, which is growing very, very fast, especially in disciplines like cybersecurity, AI applied to healthcare. The engineering is different from Purdue engineering and hopefully complementary too, all right? And growing schools in Indianapolis, including Kelly, the dental school, nursing school, and many others, significant demand in health and life sciences for growth in Indianapolis. So this restructuring also helps IU unlock growth potential, thousands more students in IU disciplines coming to Indianapolis. Um, and President Witten, our boss, has said the goal is to make IU Indianapolis the country's best public urban research university. Now, this is very different from what we have in Bloomington, which continues to grow. You start to think of urban universities that have academic medical centers, and there hasn't, there's not one that's the, the, the actual, you know, one analogous, you know, comparison, but you think of schools like Pitt, and you think of schools like University of Houston and University of Cincinnati. These are state institutions that really leverage their academic medical centers and other assets really, really well. So the, the future is really exciting for IU. Um, another look at what Dan showed you, and this is just to reaffirm that there's been a lot of thought paid to the physical layout. Now, I will say, when I originally got the call from Governor Mitch Daniels, this is before I could have foreseen that I was going to be joining President Wynn at IU, I just assumed last summer, this has been 2022, oh, this is big plans for Purdue. They're probably going somewhere else in the downtown, okay? Somewhere along the line in 2022, Purdue approaches President Witten, my boss, and says, you know, we'd really like to be adjacent to IU, build more density, reference the maps that Dan just showed you, and uh, much of the activity, as Dan just said, centered on that corner of West and Michigan Street. So this is really exciting. I'm not going to, I won't speak for Dan, but I know the thought of, you know, additional libraries and health services and those shared services, there will be a significant benefit to having more Purdue students and IU students sharing those services and being adjacent to one another on that campus. Now, what I will say is you may have heard my boss, President Witten, talk about science technology corridor. She started talking about that in, in December. What she has been referring to is this area of Michigan Street, which is going where, where you're going to see a lot of new Purdue campus growth, like is what Dan showed you earlier. There's also a lot of surface parking and room to grow for IU to add healthcare, health sciences programs in that vicinity in Michigan. Now, Dan mentioned 16 Tech, and this is really, really important because not only is there room to grow along Michigan for classrooms, labs, and things like that, uh, this restructuring has also sparked a lot of new discussions, certainly with IU, with Lilly and Alanco and companies like that. Applied research where um, work with the private sector where you don't have to be close to students 24-7 has sparked a lot of new ideas in 16 Tech as well. So you'll see a lot of new activity along Michigan and you'll likely see a lot of new activity along 16 Tech from both universities. Um, this is a this is a map. It didn't format very well, but this is I, I got to give you know President Meng Chang a lot of credit because I think he's the one who coined the hard tech corridor between West Lafayette and Indianapolis. So similarly, you've seen the emergence of this life sciences defense corridor. Given all of the new activity that we're talking about in Indianapolis, you may have noticed IU's announcement on Monday: 111 in new investment at Crane of Applied Research. Obviously, Crane is ramping up its production as a result of Chips and Science Act. Thank you, Senator Todd Young. Um, Purdue has got a ton of activity happening at Crane. 
IU and Purdue are part of a multi-institutional consortium working together with Notre Dame that you will be hearing more about in the future. Again, both universities ramping up their capabilities, but in complementary lanes, right? And, and I will say, those of us who have IU degrees are very proud of IU, okay, and all the things I said earlier, but got to give Purdue a lot of credit, especially over the last decade. Purdue's partnerships with the private sector, particularly on R&D, have set a very high bar. And so I, my boss, President Witten, would say IU has been very inspired by that activity. And there's a benefit of the two universities being proximate to one another and growing in Indianapolis and at Crane that we think is going to be better for the city and for the state. So that's my abbreviated version. I want to make sure that we have, that Dan and I have enough time for your, your comments and questions. But I, my hope is that in addition to, I'll go back to the map. My hope is in addition to having a little more clarity around what's happening and how both universities are growing, that you also leave with the impression that this restructuring has also sparked I think more work together of the two universities, definitely than since I've lived here in 2001. And so, very exciting. My hope is, and you know, if we do our jobs right, you're going to hear about more collaborative applied research partnerships coming out of this transaction as well. So, thank you. We'll pause there. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, so, if anyone has any questions for either of these, um, fine fellows, there's a mic right up there, and you can uh, walk to that. I have a few um, in the interim. So, um, Dan, you mentioned this a little bit about an idea for how your new campus will increase enrollment. Um, what do you think the impacts will be on enrollment at your other campuses? You know what breaks my heart? Um, of the, of the students that apply to computer science at Purdue, 80% of them are rejected. Right. Not because they're not qualified, but because we're out of space. Um, we're not taking students that we should have, students that would like to be in Indianapolis. Uh, we're at the gills in West Lafayette. It's just not feasible to grow more. It's been growing year over year for eight years. Um, with the demand that we continue to see and in the increase in applications, I, just, I think that's a very remote possibility. Yeah, enrollments right now at um, uh, IU Bloomington, very strong. IU Indianapolis, strong but for the most part. You know, there's, a, there's a, a wide range of programs. The regionals are the areas that there's a, there's a strategic effort by the university. And regional campuses everywhere are being challenged right now where we are in the economy. But... One thing I'll say about this, this restructuring is um, IUPUI, soon to be Purdue in Indianapolis and IU Indianapolis, has had for over a decade very high in-state retention numbers. Like, I'm, I don't know them off the top of my head, but it's, it's over 80%. So echo what Dan said earlier, by attracting more students to this campus, we think that's going to significantly increase the retention. Awesome. Um, Michael, um, IU recently announced an initiative with Indianapolis Public Schools around seamless admissions for IPS students. Can you elaborate on this opportunity? Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a great program, um, and, and I'm interim chancellor, Carol Ann Murdoch-Kinch is here, uh, chancellor, um, and she's more up on the details, but it's a really exciting program that grew out of a grant with the J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation and IPS. We announced it a couple of weeks ago. Essentially, and I hope I get this right, Chancellor, if you have a 3.0 grade point average and you're at one of four IPS high schools, we want to expand it farther than that, 
you get you you get a letter saying congratulations you've been admitted to IU Indianapolis we've done the the um, the legwork on the FAFSA for you so here's what happened two weeks ago we announced this program we immediately got flooded with other high schools saying how do we get in right and so that's that's what we're working on now so we we, we think we're on to something good we think this is something that other universities also are going to be able to adopt and it's a service we can provide so right now our challenge is how do we expand the program very fast is that right what are the four high schools? Do you know? They're the four direct-run IPS IPS high schools. Yeah. So so Short Ridge, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. And then the the one the ones that have expressed interest would are virtually. I mean, it's the majority of high schools in Marion County. And so the 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 trick is the data sharing that allows the processing of the FAFSA information to make the process as seamless as as possible for the student. And so we're we're committed to growing that. Neil. Hi, um, Neil Pickett from IU Health. Uh, I think that this is very exciting and um, really uh, a, a very significant initiative. My concern or my question is, um, we're going to produce more high-quality graduates. Right now, we're exporting a lot of those grads. We're losing them to other states. You're producing, you're going to produce um, young people with degrees that are going to be in incredibly high demand all over the country. So how do we make sure that they stay in Indiana once they graduate? What are, what's the kind of, how do we make the, 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 the virtuous cycle kind of complete um, once they've had, is it through the internships and the, the experiential learning? We're, that, we're, how do we work, how do we do that? We're banking on relationship, right? Again, so many of these students come in from all over the world and they spend four years head down, studying their rear off seeing a little bit of West Lafayette and none of Indiana, and certainly not having relationships. Meanwhile, every fall, you have hundreds of companies, high-tech companies coming to the campus and wooing them um, with tales of lollipops and sugar plums and mountains and oceans. The whole game here, the whole strategy is let's get them into the economy, let's get them into our community, let, let them get to know what it is and what it's about, and we are willing to bank. It's going to be easier for them to stay and harder for them to leave. At least they'll know clearly what their options are. And then we're going to have to leave some of this to the corporations and the partners as well, right? They, they've got to compete. And by offering these internships and co-ops, that's a way to compete. We're going to have to scale them up, right? We don't have nearly enough opportunities with companies right now to make good on the promise or the requirement that we've made on this campus. So we'll be looking to a lot of Indiana corporations, not just the top 10, but the top 600, to help supply these platforms for these students to participate and be amongst us while they're in, while they're in school. Same. Yeah, Dan said it well. That, that applies to Indiana University as well, 100%. Okay. Um, Dan, you mentioned in your presentation that within the Purdue system, only Purdue University in Indianapolis will offer direct admission to engineering. Um, you talked about this a little bit, but what do you expect the impact to be from that policy decision, and, and why limit it to Indianapolis? There are, um, you can imagine, there are some students that really don't like the uncertainty of going through a core year of math, basically, and then being guided uh, thoughtfully into a subset of chemical, electrical, mechanical, engineering. They may already know my mother was this, I want to be that, right? Um, so by taking away some of that uncertainty, and, and this is not a bad thing, you also are, are learning and they are learning what their aptitudes are in that year. 
but there are some students that are so adamant and so already knowing what they want to do. We believe that that will be an attraction to go to a campus that also has a little uncertainty in it, right? Imagine being the first uh, student, the first year, into a campus that's being reformed, redirected, reorganized. There's some uncertainty there, too. So this kind of balances that out for them, we think. Um, we know that a lack of housing for university students is becoming a more serious problem nationwide. What challenges for your urban students do you foresee, and what are your plans to help address them? Yeah, that becomes a huge, uh, a, a huge issue, especially when you talk about the number of students that we hope to attract. I know Purdue does as well, and so the number Dan and I did a, a did this at a different industry group this morning, and the number that our colleagues threw out is um, currently only about ten percent of the um, uh, IUPUI undergraduates have traditional on-campus housing. You know, and um, Parking, you know, historically has been a challenge there too. So, so um, we will have our work cut out for us. It is likely, though, that IU's approach to accommodating the IU students is going to be more through public-private partnerships and sort of campus-adjacent uh, uh, housing and things like that. We think that works very well in the urban setting. Uh, Dan, we've all been in this discussion for the last year very thoughtful about housing and and parking because it's not one university's problem; it's both of our problems mutually. And so we've already committed to solve those problems mutually. But the other side of this is the demand side, right? Especially on traffic and cars. Um, there are a lot of students driving into IEPUI and driving home, right? Over time, hopefully this will, not hopefully, it will become a more residential campus for both universities. And you'd like to think they don't need to bring a car. But that's when public transportation and connectivity in the neighborhoods becomes really important. So that's the other side of it, yeah. And the BRT helps, I think, when you see the number of students who take it. I'm glad you mentioned parking. As a graduate of IUPUI, that was always a struggle. <laughs> so um, glad, glad you're sure looking into that. Gretchen? Thank you, Stephanie. Um, thank you very much to both of you for the presentation. I echo Neil's comments. It's very exciting, and um, uh, it's, it's going to be transformative for the city and the region. Uh, so as a, a big employer who thinks that I lean in, we lean in all the time on um, internship opportunities, um, maybe we're not leaning in enough. And so how do we, how do, just moving to Indianapolis and having a physical location, um, it's, it sounds like we'll be growing lollipops and the students will say, oh, well, I'm going to stay here. So what do employers need to do in order to make sure that um, we're leaning in so that those folks that are coming here are staying? Make, make those positions available, right? We're, this is a scale-up issue. We, um, we have a lot of interns and co-ops out of West Lafayette already, not for everybody, but plenty. We know how to do those. We have an office that does nothing but focus on finding those opportunities for students. Our issue is scaling up. There aren't as many companies as you might think that are willing to do what you're doing because it's a little extra work, it's, it's sometimes sophomore, junior year, there's a probability that you will get them, maybe not. Um, and so we've got to encourage companies to do what you're already doing and just get the volume. Will everybody stay because of an internship or co-op? No, that's not going to happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, you're helping them get more competitive also. Um, but we've got to play the, play the odds, and we think the odds are with us. It can't hurt. It, it can only help. The only other thing that I'll – same for IU. The only thing I'll add to that, and I'm looking at you, Chancellor, again. hope I get this right. But it's like um, – Bringing us, bringing us ideas because IU needs to do a better job developing scale. So one of my observations of the last year is you have individual schools within IU like Kelly that have very mature intern programs. 
what to get to the numbers that you're talking about, Gretchen, will require IU to present students from different schools and accommodate, and that's where the biggest area of focus is for us right now. We are, though, really encouraged. I'm thinking of a couple of R&D-enabled employers who are buying into sort of these, you know, five-year co-op earn and learn programs. Purdue's got a great history in those. So that's another piece. But that's, that's the responsibility of the university. We need, we need to get it together and provide more cross-disciplinary scale because that's where the numbers are going to come from. Abdul, you're the last question. Alrighty, awesome. Normally, the first question, so this will be cool. Uh, how do you folks convince uh, parents that college is still worth it? Uh, for example, the, with the job market, the job shortage, a lot of folks can just graduate from high school and just go get you know, a, de a decent paying job. You know, talk about the issue of student loan debt. Uh, so how do you convince parents that you know, an IU degree or Purdue, or Purdue University degree or Ivy Tech or University of Annapolis degree is still worth the time and hassle? Thank you. The... Yeah, I mean, since we're talking about Indianapolis, I think it's back to a lot of the success or failure will be based on our ability to capitalize on the employers and to develop internships at scale. Because, Abdul, that would be, you know, if you're, if you're talking to a family about making this investment, and we would still say that, that uh, in-state tuition at the universities is still a, a, a good, good deal, but if we're not just selling that experience, but also the relationships they're going to get while they're a student to be able to try some different things, that's, that, that's something that um, is a real asset. Go ahead. So I was on an amazing trip a couple weeks ago, with, uh, sponsored by the Chamber, the Lex uh, trip, and I learned something pretty significant, and I think this, this is not new. I don't think it does make sense for all the students going to university. I'm not sure students realize that they have good alternatives and probably don't need to go or aren't best suited for university. And I think those are the ones that cause us concern. And so the whole idea of scaling up a high school-based uh, co-op internship certification program, whatever you want to call it, that allows high school students to realize there are other choices to progressing a, a career besides a four-year institution or even two-year institution. I think we need to do a better job of helping people find their right path and right place and feel really good about it, whether it's um, a trade, a certification, or a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in engineering. I want to, before we conclude, Stephanie, and thank you, I want to I want to mention something I should have mentioned earlier, especially with members of the General Assembly present. So. A lot of the two universities' reasons for doing this are, simple, are, are similar, but there are some subtle differences, and I don't want to put words in Dan's mouth, but the, like, Purdue bringing West Lafayette to Indianapolis, which is very powerful, which is great. Now, with IU, it's, it's an, ur an urban university with, with an identity, hence IU Indianapolis. But I, I failed to mention one um, change on the campus that you will see, thanks to the General Assembly, is an arena that um, is a state project, it's not an IU project, it's a state project to be shared by the NCAA and IU Indianapolis, the home of Jaguar Sports, I believe it's 4,500 seats. Um, there's a planning study being performed on that, the details will come together about where and how and everything like that, but we're incredibly appreciative because you think about more quality of life amenities that to be enjoyed by IU and Purdue students right there on campus, details TBD were very, very appreciative. I would have been remiss if I didn't mention that. I have to also add, there, there were times in this whole discussion the last year where even though we're uh, great friends, there were some really tough discussions to be had. And, and if it were not for the support and the prodding and the poking and the spanking sometimes, 
by the General Assembly, I'm not sure we would have gotten it done as quickly as yeah. we did. And so I also want to offer my thanks to, to all yeah. of you for that. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to Dan Hassler and Michael Huber. And now I would like to call on Andy Miller to come up to the dais for the uh, presentation of the Earl Ryan Award. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.